0: Hey, what's going on, Young Professionals in Energy? My name's Mark Heinemann, and I'm with Young Professionals in Energy's Denver chapter. Uh, Jake Adamson, again, wasn't able to join us for our third interview, but have no fear. He'll be back for episode number four. For our third episode, Ellen and I spoke with an awesome member of our energy community, Garrett Peterson. Garrett currently functions as VP of Project Development at Pivot Energy, and Ellen and I were both really impressed with the breadth of his knowledge about the solar space. I have to apologize for Garrett for not doing a better job of introducing him to the show while we were interviewing him, but he did a fantastic job of jumping right in, walking us through the different facets of the solar development life cycle, and really just educating us about the entire process. He was able to speak on everything from policy to economics to the major hurdles of what it takes to actually execute a solar project. I learned a ton. I'm sure you will too. Have a listen. Let us know what you think. All right, welcome to another episode of Young Professionals in the Energy Podcast. My name is Mark Heinemann, and I'm your host. I'm here with my co-host, Ellen Scott. Hello. Let's uh, introduce our guest for today. Garrett, do you want to give a little intro about yourself? Yeah, good morning. Mark, Ellen, thanks for having me.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, my name is Garrett Peterson. I am the VP of project development for Pivot Energy. We are a uh, about a 35-person shop. That does solar development and solar software in headquartered in Denver.
2: Awesome. Cool. So, for those of us who don't know anything about the solar industry, I think a lot of people probably think about the solar panels they see on rooftops or maybe driving past a large solar farm. So, kind of talk through those nuances between community solar, uh, solar on your rooftop, and and industrial scale solar.
1: Yeah. So. It's, it's kind of three different sizes. Uh, a residential rooftop is something that is backfeeding a meter or an electrical panel that is owned purely by one customer, the homeowner or say a small business owner, and once power is consumed throughout the building, it's then sent back out to the grid. Uh, community solar is more of a centrally located array that provides bill credits to customers who subscribe but there's no direct power going to their house from a community solar project. And then a utility scale project is done on a, obviously a much larger scale, usually with a single offtake, that being the utility or maybe a large merchant like Walmart, Facebook, Apple will be getting all the power from that. And they all connect on different voltages, think small, medium, large. So
0: there, there's some, there's a lot of nuances to all of it. Awesome. Yeah. The community solar thing, I guess, or idea, concept was new. I came across the term solar garden a little bit. I guess do you want to give, is that kind of the community solar concept, right? If so, folks don't have the roof space or capacity or ability to put solar on their roofs, then it can be a community central project? Yeah. So the, the concept comes from actual just a
1: community garden, like you'll see in urban areas where People all come together and work a little bit on the garden. They all get a share of it. A community solar garden is exactly that. A resident that doesn't have the ability to put solar on their rooftop or a business that owns 10 floors of an office building and can't put solar anywhere, They what they do is subscribe. And the biggest difference between, um, say, putting panels on your, your own house or a community solar is community solar is not out of pocket to somebody who's subscribing. They're just getting... A discounted rate on their power from something usually located centrally like within a 50
0: miles of where they live right awesome but they still have an opportunity to take that or use that energy source if they want it right yes okay. yep
2: and so primarily what you're working on is community solar projects correct can you talk through some of your roles and responsibilities at pivot
1: yeah so Community solar is the the majority focus of our business. We mm-hmm. do some what would be commercial and industrial, but I would say three quarters of our business is community solar. Uh, we are developing sites in Colorado, Oregon, New Mexico, Illinois, Pennsylvania, New York, Massachusetts, and some in Maryland as well. Awesome. Yeah. And all <laughs> so so over the place. <laughs> we we are all over the place. Um, some of it is existing programs, like Colorado has had a community solar program for going on 10 years, um, Pennsylvania and New Mexico are both set to pass legislation within the next legislative period that would allow for community solar, but we probably wouldn't be building on those sites till 2021. So from, from my standpoint, my role is overseeing our entire development process from land origination to sale of the asset. So what that is, is site origination, sitting down, signing a lease with somebody, working through environmental due diligence, also legal due diligence on the, on the front end, um, utility interconnection. Then we do special use permitting with like the local counties. We have to do system design with our own engineers, power modeling to effectively establish the value of that project, and then bundle all of that into a single package in which we're going to sell to
0: somebody. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that was, I was actually, that's a great summary of what I was going to ask, which was, you know, there's a lot of different attributes in the solar industry, and for folks that just see it from the outside, they think that, oh, well, so some people just sell solar panels, right? But there's so many different components to it in the supply chain, right? People can buy inverters and then electricians and the transportation, right? But you guys are the developer, which, in my opinion, is the sexiest uh, job to have in the whole piece, because you're bringing everything together, right? You get to see the whole puzzle and interact with the whole project. I, I don't know how sexy it is,
1: but <laughs> it's... Sounds
2: challenging to me. It's, it sounds uh, like a lot. The, the part
1: I like about development is you're you're making a project come to life. Mm-hmm. I was on the construction side for some time, and at, at that point, you have a project, and you have your own challenges and things like that, but in working through the development cycle, you're really putting all the pieces of the puzzle together to make a project happen. And once you, you get past a, a certain point, yeah, you start getting into supply chain of modules, right? Inverters, even the labor, are yeah. you working in a union area? Are you working in a non-union area? Yeah. How long is it going to take to build? Do we have certain requirements by the financier that make the project harder to do. Right. Things like that.
2: So you, you touched on a lot of the stakeholders that you engage with. Um, and so talk through some of the challenges that you have when you're permitting a new project. I mean, who are typically your supporters? Who are your opposers? Does it change depending on where you are, what state you're in?
0: People are, people oppose some
2: Some people do. I think Garrett's going to (laughs) tell us about it. (laughs) I
0: I mean, no, no
1: project. There are no two projects that are the same. You've got even before you get into permitting, you can have what I would call environmental challenges. Mm-hmm. Does your site have wetlands?
3: Mm-hmm. Do
1: you need an army corps permit? Uh, is there an endangered species even in the area? Do you have to do some sort of uh, site monitoring before construction even happens to determine a presence there? Uh, there are legal challenges. Do you have uh, utility easements or private easements that you have to cross and get a crossing agreement to access your site? Is there, an abandoned pipeline that now needs like a phase two environmental survey Mm. because it might have been leaking for the last (laughs) 20 years like all those little things can basically end a project before it starts yeah but then you get into the actual special use permitting of a project so every every place has its own county code what's allowed what's an allowed use and we're typically developing sites either on industrial or agricultural land, and so we have to get a, a zoning variance or a special use permit for that. All those meetings are public, right. so there's gonna be public input, right? Obviously the proponents of the the project are the landowner. They're gonna get a lease payment for the life of the system, so they're in favor of it. Um, most um, of the
0: time. Most Unless they have another purpose for their land. Sure.
1: A lot of the time, the city or county board is actually very much in favor of it. Mm. Yeah. Or maybe not very much in favor, but at least level headed about the idea. Uh, they're going to receive taxes mm. from the development. You know, something that's on an agricultural parcel might increase the tax revenue 10x for that. Mm-hmm. Right. It's more money going to schools, roads, things like yeah. that. Um, you also have. Uh, <laughs> You have a have a county board that understands this is a new technology. It it kind of puts them on the map, right? Yeah. Like, hey, this this city wants to it install good, right? wants you to install like the solar. Then they can use it. Yep. To, yeah, yeah. Th- there's going to bring jobs. There's mm-hmm. going to be news coverage about it. Something new. They they realize it's it's good for the local area. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, there'll be people who are attending a public meeting for something else because it's it's not always. Strictly the, the permitting of your project, it's a multitude of meetings, mm-hmm. and people might weigh in on that. There are concerned citizens or citizens who just follow all public meetings that will come to it and speak their opinion, right? Yeah. The opposition side of it,
3: mm-hmm.
1: what we largely deal with is a, what I would call either a rational or irrational NIMBY mindset. NIMBY. Not in my backyard. Oh
0: yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know why I haven't heard that before. That Wait, acronym, really? Yeah, I haven't heard the acronym before.
2: Oh yeah, I mean that is that is a <laughs> yeah. A, I mean, a I've very heard. Very important heard
0: Not in my backyard, but
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> That yeah. is a yeah.
2: very important acronym. I feel uh, ignorant. It, Everyone it, has knowledge not, gaps. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so so it, it's it's interesting that there will be people who stand up in a public meeting and say, <laughs> "I think I know we need to do solar. Mm-hmm. I need to, that we need clean energy. I don't want to
0: see it." Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't wanna see it from my I like my view of my grasslands. I right. don't wanna see it from my porch. Yep. I bought my house so that I could look at these grasslands or this mountain or this view, and now you're gonna put solar panels obstructing. No. Yep. And that's the problem that all energy development
1: faces, sure. right?
3: Yeah.
0: So. And and we try to address that ahead of time. If we have a
1: parcel that we know we're gonna develop solar on, we will go talk to every single parcel that touches that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you it gets more contentious when you're In small towns where you're on the edge of say rural versus at least the little city or town that you're in Mm -hmm. and more people are going to see it Mm -hmm. so you you get that um, feedback from people who who just don't know what solar looks like too this is Mm -hmm. the first time a lot of them have seen a solar array or the idea of it so they want to know things like some realistic, like, is, is it going to affect my property value? Is it somehow like bad for the environment? What are, right. What are the, what are the downsides of this? Mm -hmm. Is, is there a fire danger? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're, you're talking high voltage electrical equipment somewhere. So that happens. Then you'll have the not so rational things where people have said like, Solar is actually concentrating the sun, like a magnifying (laughs) glass, like those panels. And I live close and I don't want it to be hotter by my house.
3: Sure. yeah, You
1: know, like, (laughs) or that solar gives off EMF and that that's somehow going to mess, mess up my pacemaker and I live Mm -hmm. a mile away. Right. And then I've, I've had a group of workers from a coal plant show up and say that this is gonna take their jobs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, a kind of crazy environmentalist who said that solar panels from above look like a pond and that migratory birds are gonna dive into it like they would a pond and Mm -hmm. end up dying. Wow,
0: yeah. Is there any evidence of that? Has that ever happened?
1: (laughs) No. No, there's not evidence of it. But it's it's something that's a concern, Right. right? But I I think when it's all said and done, the biggest, the biggest proponents or opponents of solar, it comes down to land use rights. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Does, does that landowner, does, do they outweigh what somebody else who's not paying the taxes, who doesn't own the property? Right. Mm -hmm. I've been at hearings so many times where a neighbor says, I like my view of this and somebody on the, somebody on the board, Thankfully, like not myself, says that's not your view. Yeah. Well, yeah. You don't own that view.
0: Mm-hmm. Right?
1: Now, if you this, own your
0: property, you, you own your property.
1: You have a view. Yeah. If this person wanted to put up a 30 foot tall commercial pole building across the entire front it. of their road, yeah. they yeah. could with only a building permit. Right. Mm-hmm. And just because this is solar, we're going through a special use permit. And it, it truly comes down to like land rights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, I've seen city and county boards vote in favor of the other landowners. There was one in Illinois where it was a, it was an area that was very nice horse farm property. Not, not so much agricultural, like, you know, like we're talking big white fences, things like that. And there was a neighbor who was kind of the eyesore of the whole, Neighborhood in the yeah. sense that he, w- he didn't take as much care of his property and he basically said, I'm going to lease my land for solar. And the neighbors all got together, hired a lawyer, and the lawyer argued that this use was not in the county's uh, planned unit. Interesting. zoning plan and said it didn't align with the interests of the county so they're actually able Mm. to
0: change policy
1: when in reality all the owners just said like we don't like (laughs) mr. jones and how he takes care of his property and we're not going to support him putting solar in wow so they so
2: it had nothing to do with the solar project no to do with their relationship with with him but
1: the county favored you know Wow. That group of people who didn't own the property because mm-hmm. they said, "Yeah, we kind of agree with it." And on the other side, I've had a county board say, "Well, you don't even actually own the property adjacent to this; you're renting that." Mm. So for you to say you don't want to look at it, who's to say you're not going to be there in two years? Right. Right.
0: So when this project's going to be there for thirty to forty years? Right. So well, I guess I might ask, what is the average lifespan of the projects that you guys are developing? So most of our projects
1: are a minimum of a twenty-year. Uh, life's life cycle, just in terms of
0: the interconnection agreement with
1: the okay. utility,
3: mm-hmm. and so you have
0: a twenty-year power purchase or inter- interconnection agreement, right? That you're, I guess, guaranteed revenue for the electricity that you
3: generate
1: for that twenty years, and then there are. Options to extend that with a mutually agreed upon terms of five or ten years with the utility Yeah And then we sign our leases with our landowners to match what the interconnection agreement might look like So 20 years with an option to extend five or ten.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: so so most sites are Say 30 years they can continue operating You can do all kinds of modeling. You don't know what the cost of power is going to be in 30 years. Mm-hmm. Sure but at that point you can think that you've got an asset that's been completely paid off. Yeah. And even if it the power being generated from it is a, a penny a kilowatt
0: hour, there's at least some residual cash flow to that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So I guess are you planning for that long of a payoff? I mean, in my mind, if I were developing it, I'd want the payback to be during the certainty term, right? And not at the option agreement. The payback yeah. is
1: is far closer to it's it's well before the certainty term. yeah. Most payback on this, depending on somebody's cost of capital, is five to eight years. Wow. yeah. So, yeah. they're, awesome on a 20-year life cycle, you've got 12 years of completely positive revenue.
0: Cost of capital <laughs> can vary wildly, right? right. I mean, uh, current interest rate's very, very low. Uh, but, I mean, for a five to eight-year payback, what is that, 8%, 10%, 12%? Tip,
1: our typical model is, an eight percent unlevered yeah. IRR. Yeah, that that's what most capital funds have to meet. A a utility that is, say, has an investment group, right, might be able to use the utility's money that's got a much lower cost of capital. Right. They they might have a four percent. They might have a four yeah. or a five. A um, a boutique. Investment. Capital group yeah. that is owning like a, say like a biogas project or something where the returns aren't entirely proven yet
3: mm-hmm.
1: Because they're the only one out there who might finance it. They might want a 12% Right, mm-hmm. so it varies but kind of the middle of the road is
0: like that 8% IRR Yeah, Nice. that makes a lot of sense
3: mm-hmm.
0: and I guess from from your guys perspective as a developer, right I, you kind of have two options that I mean if you guys find the financing yourself and can develop the project yourself you're not just selling a service but you could own the project long term right I don't know if that's kind of the business model that you guys take or if, I mean if you're trying to raise the financing and then uh, sell the project after it's in production to somebody that wants a stable cash flow source right I know that's another model in solar so how, do you, how does pivot think about it so right now
1: we are aligned with multiple finance groups that we know more or less the terms of the deal. If it's a, a CNI project, a PPA with a
0: what's the, what's CNI? CNI
1: is commercial and industrial. Okay. So let's say you have a a school district that has bonding capabilities, unlimited taxpayer revenue. Mm-hmm. Right. Somebody somebody will look at that model and say, okay, I'm I'm willing to buy that. That's that's a very low risk investment for me. Um, On the something like the community solar side where you have 200 subscribers that you may have to actively manage Somebody moves out of the garden. You've got to move somebody back in there's a little bit more active investment That might be a a risk tolerance of a different group, but we've got those relationships where we know What type of project we're doing and who the project is going to go to? Mm -hmm. we as a company flip the project at a stage of which what we would call NTP or notice to proceed It's effectively to the point that the project would be more or less ready to begin construction. Okay. But we're not financing the construction
0: and we're not financing the debt to own it long term. Got it. So you guys are teeing up solar projects across the country for investors that don't know how to do the work themselves, but have the capital required to go and pull the trigger and then everything just falls in place. And it's not that they might not. Want to do the work
1: themselves? Yeah, their fund might have a requirement to deploy a hundred million dollars annually, right? Mm-hmm. And they need a network of developers across the country. And all they're doing is one transaction after another. Right. They don't have the time to do the life cycle of the whole development. So we come to them and say, "Hey, I've got twelve projects in this portfolio." They do the due diligence on it we provide all the documentation everything necessary from a legal standpoint a project permitting standpoint the environmental due diligence financial models power production and sell them a complete package right and that that sale might take 2 months 3 months yeah but mm-hmm. it took us 18 months to develop that yeah so mm-hmm. they just can't handle that time cycle they right. need to quickly invest
3: yeah
0: but that's awesome for you guys, right? Then you essentially get a return on your 18 months of work that, I mean, it's a percentage of their project fee that you guys factor, it's just
1: factored into it, right? It, exactly. It's part of the, take the the net value of the project. Yeah. Here's the construction cost. Here's the cost of financing. Here's what our developer fee is. Right. And all that adds up for them to make their required return within their fund. Do you guys ever keep an override? We don't. Um, Why not? The, the tough part is when you get into the tax equity aspect of solar, and for those that don't know, you have the 30% federal tax credit. The ITC. The ITC.
0: Let's talk uh, talk about that more, but yeah.
1: So you have that, and what you have to do is find businesses that have what we call a tax appetite Hmm. to not only invest in solar, but make enough money that they can leverage that ITC Right, for their project. So typically in a financial stack, you have a tax equity investor, you have the term debt, which is construction and development, and then you have the perm debt, which is the loan that a company might be taking out for the project. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so that tax equity investor is not actually the fund okay. that's owning the project, they're partnering. Okay. And there are certain rules within the ITC that if I try to take a percentage ownership of it, it dilutes the tax equity. Interesting. And so the tax then equity they has to be a separate investor it,
0: to, I guess, realize all it, of the ITC credit. It
1: doesn't. It doesn't always have to be a separate investor. Okay. A a commercial business could buy a pan, uh, an array. And if they had enough income, they could leverage their own tax equity. That's what residential customers do. They leverage their own taxable income. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking about a utility scale deal where there may be $200 million in tax equity, there's not that many companies that have, and that's 30%, right? So you're talking how big is their taxable income? Mm
3: -hmm. Right.
1: Billions of dollars a year. You have to find those partners that need they that need kind that, of tax relief. Yeah. They need that tax relief. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And so when we say, hey, rather than a developer fee, we'd like to keep a 5% residual on this, mm-hmm. that- Tremendously that, dilutes their- Well, they, they can't value, do it. it right.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It's just not- Kills the deal. Kills yeah. the deal. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So from that standpoint, it's it's better
0: to flip in the beginning. Right. So from a tax equity investor standpoint, I mean how how big for like I mean, just say like a ten megawatt project, right? How uh, big would the tax equity investor
1: have to be? So let's say a ten megawatt project was just for round numbers, a yeah. dollar fifty a watt, you're talking mm-hmm. fifteen million dollars. Right. Thirty percent of that is eligible for tax equity, mm-hmm. which right. would be four
0: point five million dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they, which they have to be paying at least four point five million dollars the following year, or that year that year in,
3: in taxes, taxes mm-hmm.
0: in order to realize the that, benefit. Yep. Yeah.
1: So no, that's a great. That's
0: a great, really simple example that makes it easier to understand. There's mm-hmm. a, there's
1: a lot of commercial companies out there. You start getting into the two million dollar tax burden. What they're paying that means they let's say their annual revenue is ten plus million. Right. Yeah. And you start climbing and
0: climbing and climbing, and it's I mean, this is this is happening in the oil and gas space. I know Oxy's looking at putting in uh, an array in New Mexico. EOG is looking at putting in several arrays. Um, Franklin On Energy might be looking at putting in.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes sense, <laughs> yep. right? Uh,
0: you know, to to because I mean, we we're kind of an ideal subset at a utility scale, especially in remote areas of the world,
3: mm-hmm. that
0: you know, Excel can't build to us fast enough, or the utility in the area can't build to us fast enough, and. I mean, like in the Permian Basin, where there's just a tremendous amount of solar resource, mm-hmm. it makes sense.
1: It makes sense. and one of the the challenges of leasing land for solar is finding, say, on a utility scale, that huge swath of land right and mm-hmm. who who has all those land rights, oil and gas yeah,
3: yeah, so <laughs> so so, my, so my of,
1: works together my right? my, my <laughs> you know entrepreneurial mind is saying oil and gas only needs say mineral rights, they don't need surface rights. Right. You've got 10,000 acres in West Texas.
3: Yeah.
1: Hey, we can provide you a lease revenue for your surface rights mm-hmm. that is an additional revenue to whatever's being produced on the site, right. right? And then you can find a merchant play within Texas, say like you're wheeling that power to Dallas, to even to Houston, yeah. right? Whom, what? large companies, say, like, EOG has a headquarters in Houston, mm-hmm. they could subscribe to, not even subscribe, set up a, basically
0: a PPA with themselves, mm-hmm. right, for power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's been a lot of people talking about this, but I think over the next five years, this is actually going to blow up. Like, the number of oil and gas companies that are actually chasing these kinds of projects are going to explode,
3: mm-hmm.
1: right? I think so. And the other, the other thing is there's a transition mm-hmm. happening right now. It's yeah. happening in the larger oil and gas companies where they're saying... Um, we're not an oil and gas company anymore. We're an energy company. Right. Yeah. Shell. That's stat oil. Changed their name to Equinor. Right. Shell, BP, all BP are changing. Beyond
2: Petroleum. Yep. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, investing in offshore wind, mm-hmm. uh, utility scale generation in yeah. Middle East, yeah. things like that, where it's still only right now a very small percentage of their overall energy production, mm-hmm. but it is shifting. Yeah. And they're
0: recognizing that shift. Mm-hmm. BP's really fun. I listened to them speak in Monaco. Their oh. new CEO spoke, and he's—I mean, they were—they are committed to sequestering as much carbon as they can,
2: mm-hmm. which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We we know how to do that in the oil and gas industry, right? <laughs> right. Sh- turns, <laughs> shove turns things out. into the ground. Yeah, yeah. we
0: uh, we like putting CO two back in the ground. <laughs> it gets more oil out. <laughs> um, let's let's circle back a little bit to the ITC or investment tax credit, right? Uh, it's 30% in 2019, but rolls down to 26% next year. Am I right in that? Correct. And then kind of stair steps down over the next does, five years? It does stair step down and the
1: floor is meant to end at 10%. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there there will be a 10% ITC.
0: There. Inevitably currently or? Correct. Okay
1: there there is a lobbying push right now by the solar industry to maintain the itc right. mm-hmm. and 30 percent. at 30 percent mm-hmm. the the industry continues to see decline in costs of modules uh, companies are getting more efficient at building
3: mm-hmm.
1: all of that is is fantastic we're yeah. seeing some of the cheapest power prices for installed solar that can beat a, a gas plant yeah. in terms of levelized, levelized cost of energy. However, in a certain way, it's it's kind of a race to the bottom. Yeah, right. Where you still got to make money on your electricity. You still right. you still got to right. make money. A competitive uh, RFP from a utility is essentially who can provide us the lowest cost of power possible. Right. Right. Like cost of capital comes into it. Do you have somebody you can build it? Or are you designing it efficiently? What's your um, historical data to show exactly how much power you're really going to get from this site because even a, a modeling error of 2% could affect the ultimate return on that project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so all of that Emergents, is... The
0: margins are so small.
1: All, yeah. all <laughs> of that is to say that the federal tax credit, I think, needs to stay in place. is not only a way to continue investment in the solar industry, which has mm-hmm. helped drive these costs down, but it's also a a driver of really tax cuts for large businesses, mm-hmm. yeah, to make investments, and it is continuing a growth of solar that is numerous jobs.
0: I mean, the the fact that it's a it's not a subsidy per se right but rather a tax credit so you're essentially just taking funds that otherwise would have gone to the government and been allocated to whatever else the government wants to spend them on mm-hmm. and ins- instead investing in an energy project it's right. investing in an, an, an energy, energy my project, project is, yeah absolutely go for it it's providing jobs i mean a,
1: a utility scale project when you're talking that really big tax equity bite that project might last two and a half years and employ 250 to 300 people directly on it right. not to mention the the additional engineering environmental services mm-hmm. um even the towns where these projects are built you know you'll have workers staying in hotels there's tax revenue tax revenue now coming to the county mm-hmm. it, it's so i really like your point is it's not a necessarily a subsidy Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's driving an
0: investment. So I guess dropping it next year to the 26 percent instead of 30 percent I mean, do you see that being detrimental to the industry to the space?
1: I don't see it being detrimental to the industry the the cost of material goods is coming down the Companies that are building these projects are becoming more and more efficient if 10 years ago you said Here's here's the cost of solar in 10 years that you're it's gonna have to be built at and everything mm-hmm. people would laugh Right. I look at it a little bit like the, say the price of a barrel of oil in the mid 2000s to like 2014, everybody could make money when that, that cost was 60, 70, 80 bucks Mm -hmm. and higher. Now, all of a sudden the price drops out and the best companies are the ones that figure out how to do it on a lower cost. Right. Right. Refine your process, refine your construction, everything involved. Mm -hmm because that's what you have to survive at. Yeah. So I don't think the industry will die
3: mm-hmm.
1: by any means. Um, there's, that's a 4% decrease. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. So we'll find ways around it.
2: Mm-hmm. It's also, you know it's gonna happen. Right, it's not right. like yeah. the the oil price where you have no idea when it's going <laughs> yeah, to, sure. to, to our, drop. Our, and our
0: commodity drops four percent. We're like, ah, <laughs> happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but
1: but right now, any project that I'm working on modeling for next year mm-hmm. has that twenty six percent ITC right to it. Right, right. Like I, I have yeah. to count on that.
2: Right. I mean, your projects are you said around eighteen months on on average. So you're already factoring that in, right? Right. But you're you're still finding projects for next year, and you still have buyers and yeah
3: yeah
2: yeah well um let's move to some of the career focus questions um what inspired you to get into the solar industry
1: uh it's funny i i kind of fell into the solar industry Mm -hmm. um (laughs) my my dad owned a construction company so i spent every summer from the time i was about nine all the way through college on job sites yeah i get that and cheap labor. Yep, very, yeah. Very, very cheap labor. <laughs> I, I had a
0: similar upbringing.
1: Yep. <laughs> and then my, my undergrad was environmental science and biology. I was doing uh, environmental work actually for a couple different oil and gas companies in Wyoming and Utah. And our contract ended yeah. and a friend of a friend said, Hey, I can make an introduction to this solar company. And it kind of clicked for me from there, like the construction aspect of it, project management, and also environmental science and doing something green, mm-hmm. right? Kind of yeah. all added Altruism up. Altruism helps yep.
0: with uh, millennials and career <laughs> path, right? <Yep>. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so went from there, and now eleven years in the solar industry, and it's it's been a, a little bit of a crazy ride, mm-hmm. as everybody Absolutely. in the en- energy industry can
0: attest to. <laughs> right. But our yeah. industry is not for the faint of heart. Not <laughs> people that struggle with uncertainty. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Uh, what advice can you give to young professionals that are trying to get into the space or want to kind of develop a similar career path? I think the biggest thing that you have to do is map
1: out where you want to get to. Where do you want to be in five years? It sounds very cliche, but
3: mm-hmm.
1: map that out. What do you have to do to get to that point? You need to... Take take on roles outside of your existing job role within your company. Mm-hmm. Work across teams. Put your hand up. Say, I want to learn about this aspect of whatever I'm doing. Right. And if you're not vocal about that, the people that you work with are never going to know what your aspirations are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, it's there's a fine line between saying, like, I want to be CEO of this company and being <laughs> 22 years old yeah. or saying, hey, I really want to learn more about electrical design and this aspect of it or financial modeling how can i how can i start to play a role
3: mm-hmm. in that yeah.
1: i think the other thing you have to do is get outside your network and your network is largely confined at least at first to who you're working with right. within your company especially if you're right. in a big company especially mm-hmm. if you're your in a big isn't company i really bad about that
0: yeah, i was like very a, i was like Jana and we just mm-hmm. it was so incestual we just <laughs> only networked with each other
1: right so so go to go to your boss or go to somebody that's been in the the role maybe that you want to be in and say, hey, is there anybody you can introduce me to? I just want to ask them questions outside of the company that you work at. Mm-hmm. Hopefully people are nice enough to make an introduction for you, say this person's, you know, assertive and they they've got this path that they want to be on. I think you should take half an hour and have a coffee with them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like most people in the energy industry who are who have gotten a ways up yeah, are very open to that. Would say, yeah, I'll, I'll make the time for
2: that. Absolutely.
1: So you've got to be assertive in it.
2: Someone isn't going to seek out and mentor you if you don't ask, ask. right? Yeah, Not necessarily. Yeah. Um, have you ever believed something to be true about the energy industry and then had your mind changed? Um, this could be in solar or broad energy.
1: Yeah, I I think maybe in 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 this area, I'd almost do the flip side of okay. it where. I think a lot of the energy industry as a whole thinks that the solar industry is this very go green liberal save the planet industry. mindset in yeah. industry yeah. And, on, and and on a certain level it is <laughs> yeah right. right on a certain so, level well, it is yeah. but we're You're so it's, it's, group, it's it's so not a group it's not a group of people who are Actively seeking to work for a nonprofit and, mm. you know, almost like volunteering their time. This yeah. is this is a, a massive industry. Mm-hmm. Um, Bloomberg Energy just put out that they said the green economy is seven percent of the U.S. GDP. Wow! Wow! So I didn't know
3: that. I mean, I didn't you're,
1: that's you're 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 <laughs> talking that's about true. an wow. industry that, as a whole, like the people. They want to be in it. They want to make money. They want to have a good career. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's it's not uh, this
0: fringe, I guess, Yeah, sector I think of, you're trying of, to of say energy. Nicely, but, uh, I'll, I'll say a group of hippies running around trying to mm-hmm. cha- change the planet one solar, one sunflower at a time, right? <laughs> and there, there's
1: definitely <laughs> that in the solar industry. Uh-huh. But there's also you know utilities that are looking at this and saying, this is a legitimate power source yeah. that we... Need because right. things are happening
0: well, right and, now, and venture capitalists and private equity investors mm-hmm. and, and institutional investors that need stable cash flow for long, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I think it's that mindset of
1: that that solar is not this crazy hippies running around <laughs> with sunflowers, right? It's yeah. it's a legitimate industry that people want to be in. Yeah. An, an electrical an electrical engineer could go work for a large solar company working on complex utility projects, or they could go work for a construction company doing engineering for hotels or, or something like that. I mm-hmm. mean, those are two very legitimate career paths. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of capital. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of construction. And That's super cool. Energy.
0: Are there uh, any industry trends that keep you up at night?
2: <laughs> the ITC. <laughs>
0: I don't think about the ITC
1: as much okay. because we, like you said, we know it's coming. Start preparing for it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, trade related stuff, tariffs, mm-hmm. module tariffs have yeah. significantly affected our industry. In 2018, a lot of companies put off hiring because they did not know what the outcome of this. Uh, there was a big court case between a couple right. of module yeah, manufacturers yeah. that claimed they had been irreparably harmed by... Chinese-made panels, when in reality, they had some pretty poor business practice to begin with. Mm -hmm. But just that case alone paused the solar industry for nine months. Companies stopped hiring, they they paused development on certain projects. Um, It it was a big deal. So things like that. I guess I'll ask the the question, would you rather buy panels US-made or from China? there's not that there's not that many qualified us manufacturers. Yeah. It's, it's just, so it's just a fact. It's just yeah. a fact. Um, we're talking about a commodity now, right. There's not five years ago, there might've been a very distinct quality difference between something in say the U S versus China. Yeah. Right. It is now a commodity. Like what does that module cost? Yeah. Right. And, and I'm, I'm talking like top tier, what are called bankable projects, like right. a JP Morgan says, we'll accept these 10 panels on our site yeah. because they have been tested rigorously by international engineering firms. There's a gigawatt of them installed
3: mm-hmm.
1: internationally. Mm-hmm. Eight of those are going to be coming out of China, mm-hmm. right? Two others are probably coming out of India. Okay. Do you see the US changing or manufacturing
0: any of those in the future? Probably I, not.
1: I don't. Yeah. Wow. It's um, even inverters. Are again becoming a commodity yeah. mm-hmm. the SMA it was a, a German inverter company that had a headquarters here in Denver
3: mm-hmm.
1: they have um, downsized yeah. that office to be more or less sales they were manufacturing there and, and they're not interesting it's um, just kind of a fact of yeah. how things are yeah. what's what's funny though you don't think about it like steel tariffs yeah affect the price of a project mm-hmm. all all of Ground mount projects are built on steel piles with steel trackers attached. Yeah, right. Steel,
0: which I mean, really just makes U.S. electricity more expensive. Right. Cost. <laughs> right? It's cost like, of, do we want cheap materials that we import, or do we want cheap electricity? Right.
1: If the cost of steel goes up twenty five percent, I just lost a
0: penny or two on my job.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. We and, see that in oil and gas all the time. Right. Yeah. We, I bought a lot of pipe from Asia right. in my career. And uh, when you know, like you mentioned, twenty eighteen, when tariffs were coming on, it was like, guys, this is just literally going to make our wells more expensive.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you've got two hundred and fifty miles of pipeline, yeah, and the cost just went up by twelve percent.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: right. Wh- who does that get passed on to? Yeah, ultimately the ratepayers. Ratepayers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's energy bills that kind of bail out what I would call failing technology. Ohio just passed up a a Pretty bad energy bill that propped up uh, three big coal plants.
3: Wow!
1: Right, and you then you look at some place like New Mexico that's shuttering 800 megawatts of coal plants,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and is going to be looking to wind, combined cycle natural gas, right. and solar to provide that capacity on a far cheaper cost of energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a place like Ohio that has coal embedded in its history looks at that and their legislature said, no, we'll provide emergency funding and that is gonna get passed on to the ratepayer. Wow. Crazy. So just that and the other thing is general political mindset of what is climate change and what needs to be done about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's I find it I find it crazy that there's still a debate about this
3: mm-hmm.
1: given everything we know, but
0: somehow there still is. Yeah, so, so. Well, it's it's very very complicated, and I think it, a lot of things need to shift and change. So that's that's a longer discussion, probably for another time. Yeah, yeah. for sure.
2: I think yeah, we could have you back on and talk <laughs> about that. <laughs> we could,
0: I could talk about that for hours. Yeah, uh, but Garrett, this has been awesome. Uh, I think we can go ahead and start wrapping up. But if our uh, listeners wanted to get in touch with you, maybe they've got an idea for a solar development project. Where uh, how how do they find you? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn
3: okay.
1: and. You can also Just post Garrett Peterson. Yep. And you can post my email on the show notes or something sure. like that if you want. Yeah. Great. We'll
3: do that. Cool. All right.
2: Thanks for chatting with us.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right.
0: And there you have it Garrett Peterson. What a rock star. I, for one, was super impressed with his knowledge about the entire solar industry, and hopefully, you guys were too. If you're interested in developing your own solar project, we highly recommend reaching out to Garrett to at least get some guidance about where the biggest opportunities might be in your own project. His email address is in the show notes below, and I can guarantee he can help. If you're interested in getting more involved with YPE, don't be afraid to reach out to us. We're always looking for partners, sponsors, and advocates for the energy industry to get young professionals together. Regarding the episode, leave us a review, send us suggestions about how to make the podcast better. Most importantly, if you know anyone who wants to chat with us about energy, please have them reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. And we're absolutely not hard to find.
3: Till next time, guys.